exit If you blink you've gone too far We all get our news from the gal behind the bar It takes a village to raise this community And even if you don't go to church You say grace or give your thanks before you eat This is us A small town in America And put simply We like things how they used to be We got one stop sign The bar closes at nine And we got an Exxon You can't miss it It's up there on the right And this is home We take care of our own If you can't relate Get back on the interstate and go Welcome one, welcome all, welcome to Climax the Podcast, Love Letter to a Small Town, a production of Climax Scott's Digital Network. Per usual, I'm your host, at least for the beginning and the end of this podcast, we've got a guest host, but more on that in just a second. My name is Kevin Harvey, proud 1998 graduate of Climax Scott's High School. Last week was episode 13, A Matter of Pride with the Pride of Scott's Organization, It was so great to talk to the four members of that team and learn so much about what Pride of Scots does. I learned a whole lot myself. And I've got one more little bit for the Pride of Scots for this week, which brings us to doing the business up front. Climax the Podcast is a free show to listen to, but it is not a free show to produce. It is fan-supported and listener-supported. If you go to the website for this show, ClimaxThePodcast.com, that's one way you can listen to the show and find your favorite podcast feed, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or even just right there through your browser on ClimaxThePodcast.com. You'll also find our social media, different ways to support, and more on that actually is coming up after the show, so I'm going to say just that for right now. And of course, we want to give our thanks to our sponsors and partners who help make this show possible. First up, the OG sponsor, Kristen Wachowski with State Farm. Kristen's office is on 20th Street in Battle Creek, right across the street from Ollie's and behind Chicago Title. And this Battle Creek business absolutely has Climax ties. Kristen is a graduate from Climax Scott's High School. Her family lives locally, and she really is your local friend to help you get insurance that you can trust. None of us like to think about the situations when we need insurance, but when you need it, darn it, you need to know you can be confident in your agent and their team and everything that they can do for you before you ever have to actually exercise those insurance policies. Kristen and her team cover a wide variety of insurance. Auto insurance, motorcycle insurance, homeowner's insurance, condo insurance, renter's insurance, business insurance, life insurance, even recreational vehicles and boats and more. Kristen is the best person you can get in contact with. You can give her a call today at 269-968-5130 or visit her website, callkristen.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N, callkristen.com. And Climax the Podcast is brought to you in part by Eldred Homestead Bed and Breakfast. Eldred Homestead is located at 6378 South 44th Street in Climax, Michigan. For more information, you can look up their Airbnb listing. You can also give them an email at eldredhomestead at gmail.com or give them a call at 269-808-8183. If you're out of town and planning a trip to Climax, maybe you're coming back home to see family or maybe there's some listeners of this podcast who are going to be visiting Climax for the first time. This is a great, quaint, cute, fun little place packed with history, packed with character, a great place to stay if you're just visiting. 
And sometimes, especially when you've got everything going on, you're raising your family, you're, everybody's going to work, going to school, probably 100 practices a week between all the different kids if you're a multi-child family. Sometimes you maybe just need to take that little getaway, but darn it, getting on vacation where you actually leave home, that can be a challenge. So maybe if you're looking for a night out, but you kind of want to stay local and stay close to home, just a couple things to maybe consider. Well, maybe just a little night out at the bed and breakfast at Eldred Homestead might be just what you needed. Again, their phone number 269-808-8183 or their email elderedhomestead at gmail.com. If you're looking for more info, I guarantee you Chris and Rand are at the ready to give it to you. And this show in general, especially episodes like the one you're listening to right now, would not be possible without our access and the support from our friends at Prairie Historical Society. PHS has been documenting the history of the Climax in Scotts areas since 1984. PHS is a nonprofit organization with their largest share of annual revenues coming from their membership program. Membership in Prairie Historical Society is only $15 for the year, and that gets you their six bi-monthly newsletters for the year. PHS can help you learn so much about the town's histories, the businesses' histories, maybe your own family history. To get in touch with Prairie Historical Society or to become a member, well, to become a member, you can mail your payment to Prairie Historical Society, 107 North Main Street, P.O. Box 82, Climax, Michigan, 49034. And for more information or to get in touch with PHS, you can go to facebook.com forward slash Climax PHS. And one last bit of the business up front, circling back to talking about Pride of Scots for just a moment. This Saturday is a huge day for Pride of Scots because it's one of, if not their biggest fundraisers for their entire year. It's the Pride of Scots Lasagna Dinner. Now, this is going to be held at the Community Center, located at 8450 36th Street South in Scotts, Michigan. The Lasagna Dinner is provided by local friends at the Dig In Cafe. Adult meals are $15. Kids are only $8. And... I'm excited about that. I mean, I can't even get in and out of like a chain sandwich shop for under $20, it seems like these days. Fairly cheap night out. Again, adults 15, kids 8. There's going to be some bucket raffles, some 50-50 raffles. The dinner goes from 5 p.m. until 7 p.m. The raffle winners are going to be drawn at 7. But this really is one of, if not the biggest nights for the whole year. Significant funds are raised for all the things that Pride of Scots does. And again, if you want to learn more about some of those things, you can go to their website at prideofscots.org or listen to Climax the Podcast episode 13 from last week at ClimaxThePodcast.com. I'm going to ask that listeners stay tuned after this week's main event because there's some exciting updates I want to give everyone for everything going on from CSDN, that Climax Scots Digital Network. More to come after this week's main event. This week's main event is the first of many in our Salute to Veterans series. I want to give a little disclaimer. These episodes will not always be the lightest or easiest topics to listen to. These are veterans who were quite literally at war for our country. Keep in mind, these are also sometimes stories of war, and they were recorded almost 25 years ago. It was a different world at a different time, and these stories are important to know our history. And kicking off our Salute to Veterans series made possible by the archives at Prairie Historical Society, well, we're starting off with a big one. One of the most beloved and, dare I say, iconic figures in Climax history, Ray Smith. Ray's famous for that big smile that greeted virtually everyone in town in some way, shape, or form at some point in their lives. 
I believe he was the second generation of Smiths to operate the Climax Crescent before Bruce and Crystal's nearly 34 years operating it until the recent sale. He was a man about town, he was a man of town, and he was a man who loved and served his country. It's one of the town's most important historic voices sharing his important story. And now without further ado, here is episode 14, Salute to Veteran series with guest host Dwayne Drollett Jr. and his guest Ray Smith. Yeah, if you want to do a little... Yeah, the identify. Actually, what we're up to here is uh, we're at the Climax Library. It happens to be August 30th, year 2000. And we are not here to glorify war. We're just here to reminisce and think of some of the old stories and some of the men that were in the war and as they relate some of their experiences. And uh, tonight we'd like to start off with Ray Smith. Uh, who's on camera right at the moment, uh, the smiling face. Ray saw a lot of action during the Second World War. And so, Ray, uh, why don't you just tell us a little of your story, would you please? I'll do that. Uh, my name's Ray Smith, Raymond Smith. Uh, I was born in Climax on July 20th, 1919. I graduated from Climax High School in 1936 in Michigan State University in 1940. I enlisted in the Navy during World War II and uh, was called to service on December 7, 1942. They sent me to Midshipman School in Columbia University in New York City. And in March, I graduated as an ensign in the U.S. Naval Reserve. Uh, Dwayne, take my picture as I came out of midshipman school. And uh, then I was assigned to Key West in Miami, Florida to a sub-chaser school. And uh, when I completed that, I was then assigned to the USS Newcomb, a uh, destroyer. Uh, Newcomb was commissioned on November 10, 1943 at the Boston Navy Yard. Um, I'd like to um, show you the Newcomb. Um, for those that are not familiar with the destroyer, the Newcomb was uh, 374 feet long and 39 feet uh, wide. Uh, it was a 2100 ton destroyer of Fletcher class. To show you a little bit about uh, what a ship like that is like, it, it had uh, four boilers equipped with superchargers that produced 60,000 horsepower. Had twin screws and for our armament we had five five-inch guns and five 20, 40 millimeter and seven 20 millimeter. Uh, we carried 10 torpedoes and two mounts, and we uh, could uh, lay a depth charge pattern, usually like a 11 charge pattern between our uh, depth charges and our K-guns. Uh, we carry enough supplies for about a month without uh, having to come in. The, the complement 
on board was uh, 301 men and 21 officers, so that took quite a few supplies for a month's time. Uh, the ship had three radar units, a surface aircraft and fire control, and four radio receivers, two radio transmitters and four voice circuits. Top speed was about 38 knots. Uh, after the ship was commissioned, uh, we went to Bermuda for our shakedown cruise. And of course, when you're on a shakedown cruise, well, you test all the equipment and speed and back down and fire your guns and then you come back to the Boston Navy Yard to have anything fixed that wasn't operating right. After we got things fixed, we went to uh, <coughs> escorted a carrier down to Trinidad and then had the opportunity to go through the Panama Canal. After when we got into the Pacific, we went up to San Diego and then San Francisco and then headed for Pearl Harbor. After we got to Pearl Harbor, we were assigned to uh, escort some transports to the Marshall Islands. And uh, while we were participating in that, we did make contact on a Jap sub and did get credit for sinking that submarine. Following our duty there, we were then uh, assigned to what they called the fire support group or the bombardment group. And that consisted of destroyers and um, cruisers and some of the old battleships. And our, our uh, assignment then would be to, when there was going to be an invasion, uh, we'd go in three days before the invasion and fire on pre-selected targets. And uh, then when D-Day came on the invasion, well, we would then go in close to shore and the troop ships would uh, disembark their troops uh, out to sea from us and go by us towards the beach. Our job then was to fire on the beach before our troops landed, and then as the troops landed on the beach, we were to pick up our fire inland to help support their efforts. Then we'd be assigned uh, either an aircraft observer or a soldier that had got on the beach, and then we'd go on what we'd call call fire, that if they spotted an enemy anywhere, well, we would they'd guide us on to fire on that enemy. And then we'd um, stay on call fire uh, until the island was secure. Um, that might take 10, 15 days or so after the invasion. And uh, when the island was secure, well, we would then get ready for the next invasion and do that same thing. We uh, <clears throat> did get in on the invasions at uh, Saipan and Tinian and Palau, Iwo Jima, and uh, Surigao Straits in the Philippines, and uh, Okinawa. We uh, 
didn't have the opportunity when we were the uh, first destroyer and the first ship in our formation to enter Lady Gulf when MacArthur returned to the Philippines. And soon after, a few days after we had arrived there, we Japanese force was coming up from through Surigao Street, and so uh, that was our first real surface battle with the, the enemy. And uh, we had the opportunity to, uh, this all happened in the dark of night, and we had the opportunity to uh, go in and fire our torpedoes at a battleship. And uh, we weren't alone ship that did that, but uh, the battleship sank, and through our efforts and everybody else's, and so that was quite a uh, thing. Um, we, of course, when we would be in close, firing at uh, predetermined targets before an invasion, sometimes we, they returned our fire. Uh, luckily for us, uh, we weren't hit very bad from the return fire that we had. Um, our last invasion was at Okinawa. One of the things was, uh, well, ships and destroyers were picked on by the kamikaze planes, uh, the Japanese planes that would come in and uh, try to crash into your ship. So sometimes we could evade those pretty well. And, uh, but at Okinawa, there was a lot of planes that day. And uh, we finally, along toward evening, there were seven suicide planes that made passes on us. And uh, we shot down some of them, but uh, four of them hit their mark. And, uh, our ship was hit badly. I don't know, Duane, whether you can get any of these pictures that would show what our damage was. Anyway, we were hit so badly in uh, fires and explosions that uh, we were then dead in the water and had to be towed in by a tug. They took us into Cramaretta. And uh, the ship actually was reinforced in a floating dry dock and towed back to San Francisco. It was quite a maneuver. I was in the first group that was sent home on leave, so I didn't have the pleasure of being towed back to San Francisco. Um, the ship record, they say the record shows that we underwent or went to general quarters for 452 air attacks. But we also had, uh, were credited with shooting down 14 Jap planes and assisted on 21 others. battleship that we helped sink, and we also got two submarines. 
kind of interesting when, uh, when I went aboard the Newcomb, <coughs> I was assigned as a sound officer, so it was my job then to train the sound crews that would uh, operate the sound gear to pick up the signals if there was a submarine around and also to uh, make, make the attack and drop the dip charges. And uh, I was also what they called a line officer. And if you're a line officer, well, that means that you have to stand off to the deck watches. And uh, it's quite an experience to be in command of a ship <laughs> and uh, hope that nothing happens. Um, as I tell you what we accomplished, there was also some penalties involved, and we did have 45 killed and 79 wounded in our uh, battles that we took part in. There's uh, some memorial things that I remember and also some things that I'm glad that I don't really have to uh, live over again. But it was kind of a pleasure to be out at sea and, uh, and be in charge of a ship. I, I enjoyed like uh, a destroyer is used main lot for protection and uh, give support to a convoy. Just like if in a formation, if you, you have maybe your aircraft carriers in the center and the battleships and the cruisers, but there was always a ring of destroyers on the outward side. And so <coughs> if, if a lot of times you'd uh, have to be traveling in uh, zigzag formation and so your the destroyers were constantly changing their position and uh, it was always kind of fun to uh, have to give the commands to uh, get to a new position and uh, it made you feel so that you were playing quite a part in the program. Um, I don't know, do you have any Ray, questions? Uh, Ray, I got some questions. Were you married when you were in the Navy? Yes. Yeah. You had some lonesome days, didn't you? Some of those days, did you ever think that there might be days that you wouldn't see this old town of Climax again? <laughs> You're a long ways from home. I felt very thankful. <clears throat> I don't know if you were to experience, uh, well, uh, an airplane attack on your ship, even though uh, the destroyer that I was on was, what did I say, 374 feet long, and if you compare that, that's a football field. Right, right. And, but if a plane is making a run on your ship, no matter where you're at on that ship, you think he's coming right at you. Right. And so it's kind of, uh, and a lot of the times when, when we would be under attack like that, well, they might not hit us, but they'd come right. pretty close. 
And of course, uh, our guns would be firing at all the time, and uh, so it uh, would well, be kind of exciting. As I understand it, too, that uh, these kamikaze planes are loaded with just about as much as explosives as they could possibly carry. That's right. And so they were a huge, huge bomb when they hit you. Um, and uh, probably the strongest thing they had. What, what <laughs> happened to us is like, we got hit by four, and uh, one of them, of course, when a plane like that hits the ship or crashes, whether it's just a, an explosion, uh, you hear the, the spreading gas, uh, you hear a shh, and uh, you don't have too much protection from that. Uh, when we got hit with our kamikazes, well, I was offered the deck. And I, so I was on the front of the deck, and one of the planes hit right at the stack, right behind the, the bridge. And uh, I know it knocked me down, yeah. the force of it. And uh, so, you know, I did get very little uh, damage to myself, but then uh, something. Ship caught on fire, and uh, in fact, uh, during general quarters, why even though I was off of the deck, where the captain is in command of the ship, and uh, we had smoke burning and <coughs> so much smoke that we couldn't even tell whether the fantail was still there or not, and because when one plane hit us, not only did he explode, but we figured that uh, some of our torpedoes exploded, and uh, anyway, with much smoke and stuff, the captain told me to go to the rear, to the fantail, to see what was going on. And to get there, if you look at some of my pictures, you will find that some of the deck was blown up, and. I had quite a little job calling to get to the back end, but, uh, and when, just like with the ship, when you lose all power, where you, you don't have water, you don't have water to fight your fires. Right. The only thing that you have is what they call a handy billy, and you know, it's a gas motor, and uh, you put a hose over the side, so you do get some water. We had those going, but we also had a destroyer that came along each side of us and helped put out our fires. Yeah. I think maybe you were at Rotary today that one of, there's a man from each one of those ships right. that I know. Yeah. And they live in Kalamazoo. So I had them at Rotary one day because they, they helped us a lot. Well, Ray, I really appreciate this uh, time you've taken. I know it, uh, in ways it's easy to remember, in other ways it's hard to remember because it brings up a lot of heartache. But yet, uh, we're glad you shared it with us. We've got another fellow here we're going to put on the hot spot. Uh, he's been on the hot spot before. We'll see if we can get set up and then we'll see what he's got to say. Okay, Ray, go ahead. We'll fill this in 
Okay, I just wanted to add uh, that uh, little did I know when I was assigned to board the Newcomb as a sound officer that I would uh, be aboard the Newcomb for about a 100,000 mile cruise in the South Pacific and be on hand for commissioning and uh, two years later to be the executive officer doing decommissioning. Uh, and that I would be authorized to wear these ribbons, the letter of commendation, the Asiatic Pacific with six battle stars, the American Theater, the Bronze Star, the Purple Heart, the Philippine Liberation with two stars, and the Navy Unit Commendation. Uh, during the war years, the Treasury Department uh, put on a radio program that, to sell war bonds, and uh, the USS Newcomb was featured on one of those programs. And I was able to get a copy of the recording of that program and have uh, transferred it over onto a cassette tape, and uh, I'll have a copy of that filed with the library, and if anybody would like to hear that radio program featuring the USS Newcomb, why it would be available for you. And uh, that's what I wanted to add to my... Great, I think that's a great idea. I, I believe, I'm almost sure I've heard that, haven't I? You, yeah, you have. I've heard, I've heard it. I've yep. heard it several times. Yeah. And each time I hear it, I get a little more excited. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. uh, I appreciate the fact that we've had the opportunity to put some of our experiences on the tape. All right. And you're doing a good job. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs>
Now, a blog is really kind of informal written communication that could be about just about anything. The blogs are where you're going to see some news. You're going to see some write-ups on human interest pieces. It's really the gloves are off. These could be just about anything. And very importantly, I don't want these blogs to be just me. Anything the town wants it or needs it to be, it can be. I don't want to be just one contributor. And you know what? We've got some things lined up. I can't quite let the cat out of the bag yet. Actually, by the time you've heard this podcast on Wednesday, the cat might be out of the bag. But the cart's a little bit in front of the horse on that one. I know we're going to have some guest contributors, and I can't wait to share some of the who for what that's going to be. But heck, if you guys want to be contributors, if there's a blog, a piece that you wanted to say, you can get a hold of me, and we'll get on to more of that in just a second. There's the videos section of the website. Now, the videos live on the CSDN YouTube channel, but you can also go to the website, and that YouTube channel, it's my old wrestling company's YouTube channel. I converted it to basically also be all things Climax Scots. To make it relatively easy, what I've done on the website is I've linked it to specifically a playlist that's only going to have the Climax stuff. Hey, if you want to watch old wrestling stuff, go right ahead, be my guest. Heck, I'd like you to. I'll make some Google ad money off of that. But I don't want you guys to feel like you have to drown in, at this point, at least four-year-old pro wrestling content. So again, if you go to the website, you can click on videos and it'll take you specifically to the Climax Scots portion of the YouTube channel. We've already had a few installments of the See Us, See Us series. We did a profile on Sunny in the newly opened Climax Market. On Friday before the homecoming game, we had a little feature about the football team and showcasing the homecoming game and heard from a lot of the seniors. In fact, I think we heard from all of the seniors that are on the CS Varsity football team. And then one other video I did, I just kind of made a little experimental video, call it a step one, called Local Flavor of Climax Scots. Now this first one is just kind of me being a little bit of a goofball. If you follow me personally outside of the CSDN or podcast accounts, You know I love to cook meat and post pictures of various meats that I have prepared. This one is called Steakhouse Flavor Grocery Store Prices. And like I said, this is a step one. Long term, I want this to be something where we can showcase the different flavors, personalities, techniques of the different home cooks or the local chefs and cooks from some of the local establishments. Maybe that takes on the form of a cooking show. Maybe you want to do something similar to what this video was. But again, there's... Not necessarily any dead set rules. We can make this what anyone wants it to be. Of course, the website's also going to have the podcast, but you guys kind of already know the deal with that if you're listening to this show. There's a link for merchandise. These are just things that you can buy. It's not merchandise I have on hand. It's print-to-order stuff through Teespring or sometimes known as Creator Spring. But if you click that merchandise button, you'll see the Climax The Good Life shirt. There's a Climax Scott's Digital Network hoodie. There's the Climax The Podcast mug. There's a new beanie, which may or may not be on there if you need a new winter hat. I had it up there, and I ordered a sample, and then, I don't nerdy stuff happened on the back end, so the beanie may or may not be on the store by the time you guys hear this. There's a contact section, so if you ever forget the emails or the phone numbers or anything like that, you can go to the website and fill out the contact form, or the emails and everything are right on there too, including the phone number. That's where we'll have all our sponsors as well on the website. On the podcast, just for the sake of time, we may have to rotate some in and some out because I don't want to make this a half hour of ads before we get to the main event every week. But we will always have plugs for all of our current sponsors on the website as well. And the last link or the last button on the website I want to talk about, there is the support button. 
CSDN is privately funded and to grow and do everything that is intended to be done. There's going to be some new and additional equipment that's going to be needed, uh, most specifically at least two video cameras and probably some additional audio equipment. If you're able to, I'm never going to put a guilt trip out there. If you're in a position to support this show, to support Climax Scott's Digital Network financially, there's buttons on the website for you to do that. If you can, I appreciate you spending your hard-earned dollars to help get CSDN off the ground and really become that new media outlet for all of Climax Scott's news events and people seven days a week. But to do that, we're going to need more than just one guy with one phone and one podcast recorder. <laughs> but the best thing everyone can do to support, the best thing you can do is free. Talk about CSDN. Share that name, CSDN, Climax Scott's Digital Network. When you see these things on social media, the blogs, the videos, everything from Climax Scott's Digital Network, anything you can do to share that, to let others know what's going on, to make sure other people read those blogs, see those videos, listen to this podcast, or whatever way they want to get their news and information about the town events, please let them know. Word of mouth is the way you find out darn near everything in the Climax Scott's community. Help CSDN get that word of mouth. We want to put those four letters in the front of everybody's mind, CSDN, Climax Scott's Digital Network. We are the new guys in town. We're the new media company, and we need everybody's help to get eyes and ears on those videos, to get ears on the podcast, to get eyes on those blogs. We want to give you the content and news that you can use every day to the device that you need it to go to. And with that, let's bring a close to episode 14 of Climax the Podcast. Love Letter to a Small Town. We'll be back with another episode on your favorite podcast streaming service or ClimaxThePodcast.com in a week's time. (laughs) 